Welcome to Catch the Fire Toronto's weekly sermon podcast. This message was recorded live at Catch the Fire Church in Toronto, Canada. We hope you enjoy it. As Kathy said, I've, I'm doing uh, another of the sermon series. Last week, Gordon preached on um, connect groups, small groups, and why we want to go to a small group. Uh, this week, I'm talking about um, you know, the larger gathering, and, and really the title of my message would be, Why Bother to Gather? And, um, you know, if you think, you know, used to, sometimes as a little kid or in, even as an adult, you know, you'd get these little heart necklaces that were in two pieces, you know, you give one piece to the, your best friend and keep one. And then when you came together, they, you know, they, they joined together. Gordon's message from last week is the first piece of the heart. This, my message is the second piece. We really need to keep them together. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't listened to Gordon's from last week, go online, uh, Catch the Fire TV, and you can um, listen to that and it will fit really well together. Um, you know, I say, why bother to come to church? Because I don't know about you, but, um, you know, there were moments in COVID, particularly in lockdown, where I kind of got used to sitting in my pajamas and watching TV, church, TV, church on TV, right? And, um, you know, as a, as a pastor, you know, Ash and I, when we were preaching, we would film it during the week. And then in the morning, we would gather with our family and we would watch, you know, stay in front of the TV and watch it. And, uh, you know, had to cringe listening to myself. That was always a horrible thing. But, you know, it was like, it was, it would have, it was easy in that moment. I stay in my pajamas, don't have to worry about getting up, getting ready, doing my hair. You know, that takes a while. And, um, you know, just getting dressed, picking out a cool outfit, whatever, right? And uh, it was easy. It actually requires a sacrifice to come here on a Sunday to gather together. And, um, and so, you know, why do we do it? So I'm going to cover a couple of scriptures that Gordon covered last week. Again, just to remember, this is like the second half of a beautiful heart. And um, I want us to have a look at Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to read two verses from Acts chapter 2 and verse 45 and verse 46. So context, uh, no, 46 and 47. Context, um, the Holy Spirit has just fallen. The disciples, 120, were in the upper room. The Holy Spirit fell. They were spilled out into the, into the, um, into the highways and byways and started speaking in tongues. And, and people were like drawn to them. And 3,000 ended up getting saved in that day. And, um, and this is what happened as a result of that. Verse 46 of Acts chapter 2. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And so I've got three points, really, maybe a, a few more within there, but but. Um, just I want to outline to you in case I don't get to them. I, if it's anything like the first service, I'll spend most of the time on the first number of cluster of points that all come under the banner of three things. The first is why do we gather? The first is because God's ordained it. It's God's idea. Second thing is why do we gather is because there is a dimension of relationship and building up that can only happen in a larger meeting. And then the third thing that's the reason why we bother to gather is actually for salvation of souls, for making disciples, for the kingdom of God to advance. Okay, so those are my kind of three points and we'll spend a bit of time camping out on the first. The first thing I want us to, to have a look at is that actually if, if you look 
when the Holy Spirit falls, the natural outflow of what the Holy Spirit is doing is for the people who had been in the upper room to not go back up into the upper room, but actually to start to gather together. And they gathered together, the Bible says, in two ways. The first way they gathered was in the temple, and the second place that they gathered um, was in the home. They gathered in the temple, we can read in other places, to pray and to hear the apostles' teaching. And they gathered in homes for fellowship, for breaking of bread, to pray, just to build some sense of, of community. And so they were together, whether they were in a small group or whether they were in a large group. And if you're not part of a small group in this church, which we call Connect Groups, I want to say to you, please join. It's an incredible place to grow in connection with God, in connection with others, in connection with your gifting and your calling and express your leadership gift. We need you to be part of this movement of what God's doing, okay? So the second thing is we, we're gathering in, they were gathering in, the, in, in um, the temple. And so I just, that word, they gathered together in, in the Greek, there's a, a phrase in there, it's like a compound word of two words. And it means this, it means rush along, like run along, go in the same direction together. So the first part is rush along. And the second part is in unison. In other words, the Holy Spirit's plan as, they, as he was poured out and 3,000 were added is they didn't all scatter in different directions, but they met with one mind and they all, in other words, they all ran in the same direction in, unity, in unison together, right? And so that's the purpose. Why do we gather? Why do we gather in small groups? Why do we gather in large groups? It's because it's first and foremost, it's God's idea. It wasn't like they decided, you know what, now that we've kind of had these 3,000 people gathered, we should actually start to meet together. No, the Holy Spirit put it in their hearts to such an extent that nobody had any need. And they met together all the time. And so they met for, for uh, you know, we meet, why do we meet? Why do we bother to gather? Well, we, first of all, we bother to gather for God. It's his purpose and his desire. So, it's God's idea. So uh, another scripture just to sort of support that is 1 Peter chapter 2. And I'm going to read verse 4 and 5, and then we're going to read verse 9 and 10. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, it says this. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer a spirit up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's verse 4 and 5. Verse five, 9 and 10. But you are a chosen race. That word race could also be translated as family, as generation, as a, um, as a, a kindred or kin or countrymen. You, you know, you all belong. You're a chosen uh, race. You're a holy nation, a people for his, God's own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Aren't you grateful for the gospel? Aren't you grateful for the Lord's salvation? bringing us out of the power of Satan into the power of God. And I want you to just to notice all of those corporate words. Doesn't always translate very clearly in English because you could be singular or plural, but in the Greek, this, 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 the whole tenor of this is you, plural, you all. In, in, in North Carolina, we would say all y'all, all of you, everybody together. 
And so what is he saying? You are a royal priesthood, which is a group of people. You're a holy nation, which is a group of people. You're a chosen race. You're a group of people. You are a people for God's possession. So here's the thing. You know that this church gathers, and let's be clear right from the outset, when we talk about church, we're not talking about the building, we're talking about the people. Church is not a building, it's a, it's a group of people. And we'll come back to that in a minute. But this church, when we gather, I'm going to have to break you the bad news. We don't gather for you. We don't gather for your comfort. We don't gather for, gather for you to feel good about yourself, although we want those things. We're not gathering just to, you know, to, to, so that you can get nice chairs or the AC, AC is at the right temperature or whatever. We're not gathering for your comfort. We're actually first and foremost gathering for God. The church exists for Jesus. In fact, the Bible goes as far as to say is the church, is, the church belongs to Jesus. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. It's my church. It's not your church. It's not our church. It's not for our comfort. It's not for our consumption. It's for him. And this, what I love is the Bible says, we are a people of, for his own possession. He's rescued each one of us, and not just in here, but every, every believer across the city and across the nation and the nations. He's rescued us to be a family together of a people that are for his own possession. It's his desire. We are his desire. And he is our reward. And what I love about the gospel is this, that, in, that the truth of the gospel is that we are, you, we are saved by faith. We are saved. And when we, get, when we say yes to Jesus, we get united with Christ. It's like this mystical union that happens where his life and our life somehow merge together. And we live and we get saved, not by the good things that we do, but by the reality of Jesus's perfection. And by the reality of Jesus' perfect performance that he lived with the Father, 100% obedient to the Father all of the time. And he lived in that place of union with, with, with the Father. And then when, we, when we're saved, when we say yes to God, we get united with him. The Bible says that we're one spirit with him. I'm not sure how that works, but that's what happens. And we are in Christ and Christ is in us. And we don't have to perform. We don't have to work hard. We don't have to earn his favor because we already have it because of the performance of Jesus. We're already worth it because of the worth of Jesus. And so it's glorious that I am united with Christ and I will, I, he is in me and I am in him. But there's another truth about that oneness is because here's the reality. If Ash, my wife, is one with Jesus and Kathy is one with Jesus and Lillian is one with Jesus and Rob is one with Jesus and you all are one with Jesus, that means that we are therefore not just one with Christ. We're not just one with the Father through Jesus by the Spirit. We're actually one with each other. And so the Bible then therefore uses corporate language to say that the, the church is the body of Christ. It's not the individual of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. The church to gather. The, there's, no, you know, there's no space, there's no place for us and God on our own. In fact, 1 John goes on as far as to say that if you don't work out your salvation and you don't love other people and you don't express that love, uh, you know, what's vertical then becomes out and experience horizontal, then actually there's a question whether you're actually saved. Right? That's what John says. The Bible says that. 
And so we are united with Christ. He, Jesus was the living stone. We've become living stones and we're being built together. That's what he says in one Peter's talking about. It's Jesus's church. Now that's not to say that everything that happens in church is Jesus's plan. There are things that we do through tradition and other things that the Holy Spirit is going to be working on, is working on, is working through us all of the time to shift and to change and to make it more like his original design. But that doesn't mean to say that the purpose of what he wants us to do and his, the desire to gather is not still there, right? And so what's the primary purpose and what's the primary call of, of gathering together? Well, we see this in 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, two, in two different places. The first thing he says is that we're to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So when we, when we gather, we're offering up sacrifices, a sacrifice of praise, now, we know it's more than just worship because, you know, worship biblically is, a, is actually a surrendering of our entire lives, but there's something very powerful about, like we just did this morning, of singing and giving glory to God and offering a sacrifice of praise to Him. And I remember when I used to work for KPMG in Australia and I would work, you know, for, uh, you know, some, some weeks towards the end of my time there, work up to maybe 80 hours Monday to Friday. And, you know, and, and so I couldn't join a connect group because it was just too busy at night, sometimes get home two or three in the morning. I used to lead worship Sunday morning. I would sometimes have to lead worship. Sometimes I would just come, I'd kind of drag myself in to church. And there was this, you know, this, it was a sacrifice, because I had been so busy all week, but there was a moment in that place of receiving, just being together where I hear other people worshiping and I'm joining in with that song, that corporate song that my spirit would go, whoa, lift up. And then I would offer up the sacrifice of praise and it would go up to Jesus and it would just be a glorious thing. It was spurred on by everybody else that was around me. So we're to sacrifice. We gather for this purpose. We gather to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. When you serve, when you um, join a team, when you are doing, you know, praying for people, when you are building relationship, what are you doing? You're offering up a sacrifice that's acceptable to Jesus. The second thing that we're called to do is that the purpose is to proclaim the excellencies of God and what he has done for us. We gather because of God. We gather because he's worthy. We gather to worship him. We gather to proclaim how glorious and beautiful and magnificent and spectacular he is. And all of our voices together raising up to heaven makes a joyful and glorious sound. And it's a declaration of wholehearted devotion to Jesus because we're the bride of Christ. That word to proclaim mean, is ex angelo in the Greek, and it says this. It means this, to tell out or tell forth, to declare abroad, to divulge, to publish, to make known by praising or proclaiming, to celebrate. There's two dimensions to that. The first dimension is God. We're celebrating, we're praising you, God. You're a glorious and you're amazing and you're wonderful. The second dimension of that is to tell forth to the world around us how glorious and how beautiful he is. And so we get Psalm 105, which we haven't got up on the screen, but one, from verse 1 to 3, it says this, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. A call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell of all of his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Don't you just love to get together, corporately together, and worship him? There's something powerful 
There's something glorious about being in the same space together in a big group. There's this corporate anointing that comes upon us that you just can't replicate on your own, right? You can't, you know, sometimes you can't even replicate it in a small group, um, although, you, can, you know, there are moments where we've had that glory. But together, there's, you know, there's the Holy Spirit in us and the Holy Spirit upon us, but then there's the Holy Spirit among us where we're worshiping together and the presence of God like this morning was, I mean, honestly, I'm like, why should I, I don't need to preach, just carry on work, just, just carry on ministering, right? It's such a beautiful thing. And the Bible says this, it says, so this is, so let me say, there's, a, there's the God dimension, there's worshiping him, we're gathering together because it's his idea, we're gathering together because he's worthy. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy that we proclaim his excellencies and his glory and we magnify his holy name. But there's also a dimension where we're actually declaring and praising his, his name, not just to, uh, to, the, to, to the heavens, not just to ourselves, like, I would, like I would, you know, that story I was sharing about when I was at KPMG in Sydney, but we're also proclaiming and declaring his praise to the world around us. Therefore, our gathering is actually warfare. Think about it. The culture at the moment is that we're individualistic and we split out and we do our own thing. When we gather, what we're saying is there's a warfare that we are called to be together and we're warring against that individuality. Not just that, but this scripture always I love. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10, it says this. Now, through the church, the manifold or multicolored is another way of translating that word. The multicolored wisdom of God is, might be made known to the rulers and authority in the heavenly places. In other words, we gather as a church, not just to express God, to God our love, not just to love each other, but to be able to say to the principalities and powers, hey, God wins. Hey, God is glorious. Hey, God is beautiful. And they have nothing to say. Psalm 8 says this, out of the mouth of infants and babes, that's you and I, God has ordained perfect praise to silence the voice of the enemy. And so my act of worship of going back into KPMG, you know, when I was at KPMG after 80 hours a week and going into that place of, to worship wasn't just a sacrifice of praise, it was actually an act of war to praise God and to lay, let, get hold of Him. And I love that, it's the Holy Spirit upon us. Well, why is that? Well, so here's the thing. You probably, many of you may know this already, but the word church in the Greek actually is ekklesia. The word ekklesia means the called out ones. And Jesus used that term. He borrowed that term from the Greek and Roman culture. And the, the ekklesia was a group of people, citizens, that were called out to deliberate and to decide about the affairs of the city to deliberate and to decide about what happened in the city. So Jesus, borrowing that term, says the church, my church, I will build my church, the gates of hell will not prevail because the church in, the, in their act of war will be standing together and as they praise and as they worship and as they sacrifice, there will be a shift of the atmosphere and a transformation of the people around them. So we're not just gathering in a little huddle for ourselves, but when we worship, we're actually proclaiming and declaring to the principalities and powers all around us that God is victorious and he's glorious and we're proclaiming his name to the people that are all around us, right? 
It's not that we're a building, we're a people. We're a people that carry authority because here's the reality. Because we're one with Christ, when we said yes to Jesus, we are now raised up. The Bible says we've been, we died with him, we're buried with him, we were resurrected with him, we ascended with him, we're glorified with him. And where Jesus is, we are. Where is he seated? He's seated at the right hand of the Father with perfect authority far above all principalities and powers. And we ourselves have been elevated up with him and we seated in authority. And when we stand in, in his authority and we gather together, we have authority to legislate and to determine and to bless our city. Ah, that's a good news to me. It's a purpose to impact everything else. And I, I love the, you know, we've had lots, a number of different people teaching about the ecclesia and about you know, that being in the marketplace. And I, and I love that concept that we're called into the marketplace to make change and transformation. But there's something we have to keep in mind that it's, it's not just about individuals in the marketplace being the ecclesia, it's us gathered here is the ecclesia that we get to be, uh, you know, powerful in God. You know, we've got a ministry in Durham, uh, back in, in North Carolina, where uh, we do a lot of ministry to the poor and in the streets. We, uh, they, uh, our friends Justin and Kelly lead it, and they, um, they're on this, the worst, most dangerous street in North Carolina every week. Lots of shootings and other things. And, and, and we've been worshipping there, but we've also been worshipping at church and one of the, in, you know, on Sunday mornings or on Friday nights in our gatherings. And one of the things I love is that in those moments, we get to actually make, and the Lord's teaching us, that we get to make declarations over our city and declarations over that neighbourhood and declarations over the people. And we get to shift the atmosphere in that place. Right? The ecclesia functioning. We win the war in that place. We've, we, we, I remember a few months, a couple of years ago, there was an increase in violence and shootings and lots of people getting shot. Like every week, police are there. And we prayed and the shootings went down. Why? Because we as a church are gathered to, as the ecclesia, the function with the authority. You know, think about this. When Jesus, well, no, sorry, when Moses was told to walk around Jericho, they didn't send Moses they sent the whole community. And the whole community walked around seven days and then the thing fell. When Jehoshaphat was in the valley and the armies were coming, it wasn't just Jehoshaphat and his own. It's the whole community gathered together and then standing and then praising and then the Lord bringing his victory. There's a dimension of the corporate that we can't lose. And so God's, why do we gather? Well, we gather for God. We gather to express that to God. But then in his heart of love, as we're gathering, we're gathering to express the power of God to the world around us. I was reading this morning in Psalm 86, Psalm 86, around about verse 9 or 10, and it says this, all the nations will bow down to you. So we're meeting for God. The second thing that we're meeting for, and I'm going to zip through these last two points, is that we're meeting for relationship and in that place of relationship expressing gifts. That scripture, the, the multicolored wisdom of God. What I love about this corporate gathering is that we get to gather with people that don't look like us, think like us, have the same background, culture, socioeconomic status, whatever, but yet we're family together. That's an act of warfare as well, isn't it? And that's a glorious thing. The multicolored wisdom of heaven, of wisdom of God. You know, when we get to heaven, it's going to be every tribe and tongue and nation and people. And we know that, you know, in, when, in, if we think about this back to the Acts passage, 
When you look at the beginning of Acts, the people that get saved are the people that speak different languages. You know, that's why God gave the gift of tongues. One of the reasons, right? They were from different parts of the known world, the whole Roman Empire, and they heard them speaking in their own language. And then they gathered. And when they gathered, they were gathering as people that were very different, with different ideas and different outlooks and all of that. But they gathered and they became like they were all running in the same place, in the same direction, in unison together. And so we're gathering for, for relationships. One of the things that we love, Ash and I, we're really passionate about is this, this concept or idea that God puts us into families. The concept in, in a Greek or Roman family would have been extended family. So you would have had aunts and uncles and grandparents and kids and grandkids all living together. That we live, we, we live in a place of, of three levels of relationship where we have relationship where people that are pouring into us. So when we were young, we had, when our kids were young, we were like, our pastors, Matthew and Anne and others, we would go to them and say, help, I don't know what I'm doing. And uh, they would give us some advice and input and help us along our, if we've got some marriage issues or whatever, they were pouring into us. So that was, you know, them pouring into us. The second level was a peers where we would stand with people that were our age and our stage and our life. And we would stand shoulder to shoulder and we'd say, we're running together. We're in this together. We're going for it. Come on, we can do this. Let's take the land together. And then the third level, the third group of people was those who maybe weren't as young in the uh, oldest, in, as old in the faith as us, or maybe um, they were, you know, even younger in physical age, where we could come alongside them and lift them up and help them and encourage them and bring them into the fullness that God had for them, and disciple them and, and help them. We believe in that. That you know, we we actually can't grow and mature without relationship. We can't grow and mature and be all that God's called us to be without being in community. God knows that because He said, "Hey, it's not good for Adam to be alone." We're actually scientifically, it's proven that our brains work better when we're together. So there's an expression of relationship. And in that place of relationship and growth and maturity, what we find as we gather together is it's a great place to learn your gifts, to express your gifts, to find your leadership calling, to express that leadership calling. And in doing so, you grow into maturity. And so I want to say a really, really big thank you to everybody in this community that is giving their lives away to support this community. Leading a connect group, leading a team, joining, being part of a team, joining in a connect group, serving in whatever way it might be. But here's the reality. We need you. And we need your gifts and your calling. And we hope that this will be a community that do you good and that you will do us good. Because that's what we've been called to do, to live together. And so there's this dimension of training and equipping and moving from being a receiver to a giver and a, moving from being a consumer to a producer. Moving from being someone who's traveling along on their own to being someone that's going to guide someone else into the reality of the kingdom of God. Don't be an island. Don't just stick with yourself. Don't just stay in your little lane. Actually, God has so much more for you to, to birth the life and the glory of God all around you and for you to express your calling and your mission through other people. So speaking of mission, the final point I want to make is that um, the, the, the purpose of gathering together is for discipleship and for salvation. It's interesting to me that they were gathering together and the Lord was adding to their number daily. 
You scroll forward to Acts chapter 6, and when Acts chapter 6, there's a, there's a bit of a dispute, and, a, and like the, the disciples and the, uh, the broader disciples are grumbling and complaining because the widows of the Greeks, you know, Greek-speaking Jews, were getting left out of the distribution of food. And so what, what happens? They, they say, well, let's gather some leaders. Let's gather some structure. Leadership comes. They appoint the seven people to help. And then it says this, and the Lord multiplied their number. So we go from addition in the first days to people stepping into their leadership call and their gifting. And in that place of stepping into that leadership call and gifting, we go to multiplication. We want to multiply? If you want to multiply, get stuck in. If you want to, multi- if you want to see this church grow, multiply yourself. It's a sacrifice. It's hard. It means working. It means all of those things. It means coming alongside people. It means giving your life away. But the rewards are glorious. And we get to fulfill the purpose and the mission of God. Because here's the thing. You can gather in a small group and have everybody looking the same as you and you can have a glorious time. And I don't despise that. I love it. It's wonderful. But if no one ever gets added to that group, then we're just a little bit of a club. Whereas God's purpose is that all the other people would be added in and that we would give our lives away to see the kingdom advance and to see the cities trans- our cities transformed. Where we express the mission of God together. Whew. You were made to reproduce. You were made to give your life away. The moment you said yes to Jesus, you gave up control of your own life and your own comfort. And you stepped into his lordship and his mission. And here's his mission. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make your disciples of all the ethnos, all the people groups of the earth, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them, not information, but teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you to do. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What a glorious truth. What a glorious gospel. So as we come to the end, I just, it's just three things I felt like we wanted to, I wanted to focus on. The first one is, well, the first two are really a couple of things about repentance. You know, I feel like it's important that we, if, for those of us that have maybe had a consumer mentality to church, which looks like, you know, I don't know if you ever watched John Christ and his like church reviews from Google. Anyway, you know, it's like the chairs are too hard. And the air conditioning is not good. And the pastor looked at me funny. And there wasn't enough warm coffee. And now, guys, listen, we're not here for that. Although we hope we will have some of those things. We're actually here for God and and for all he wants to do. So the first thing is to repent of a consumer mentality. The second is to repent for an individualistic mentality. You know, I want to be really clear. There is, the Bible says, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. You don't have to. You get to. You don't have to give your life away. You get to give your life away. You don't have to come alongside others. You get to do that. 
You don't have to serve on a team. You get to do that. And God says this, he who waters will himself be watered. So I want to invite you to stand if you would, please. Thank you, Dallas. You're the man. So the first thing to do is just take a moment to do a little bit of business between you and the Lord and ask him, have you had a consumer mentality towards gathering together? Have you had an individualistic mindset and mentality towards gathering together? And if you do, it's very simple. It's just a prayer, simple prayer of repentance and confession. And I'd love to lead you in that. So if you felt like you've had a consumer mentality or an individualistic mindset, just pray this prayer with me. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, in the love and the grace of Jesus. And I confess the truth that I have had a consumerist mentality to, to gathering, that I've had an individualistic mentality to gathering. And I've seen this gathering as something that I can opt into and something of what's in it for me. And I ask, Lord, that you'd forgive me and cleanse me of that unrighteousness. And I ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you would fill me with the same love that Jesus has for his church. Holy Spirit, we just welcome your presence. And right now we ask for the spirit of wisdom. I thank you that you're the spirit of wisdom and revelation and that you would release right now in each one of our hearts the revelation that we need, just what we need and where we are right now. Fill us, Holy Spirit. We hope you encounter God and were inspired by this message today. To watch video of this message and other messages from Catch the Fire in Toronto, visit catchthefire.tv. Catch the Fire has churches, schools, events, missions and media all around the world. To find out more, visit catchthefire.com.